number 3. James chapter number 3. Getting spiritually fit. You know one way to help get spiritually fit? Watch what you say. Taming the tongue. James chapter 3, verse number 1. My brethren, and someone's phone's going off there. My brethren. Man, it's so, this morning is so distracting outside. You saw that beetle go into Donna's hair. I was waiting for her to scream this morning. I mean, it just landed there, and I'm just waiting for the scream, just waiting for it to come, and it never came. And then people decided to pass out waters right in the middle of there, and I'm like, I was getting distracted every other second. And so I thank God to be back in the building tonight. But praise God, you think about it. I was, the past couple days, the smoke has been terrible. This morning was not terrible compared to how it's still not great, but I actually saw a little, blue, there is still blue sky up there somewhere. And uh, so I just thank the Lord that he made the day. I was praying over and over and over again because, you know, look, look at all of our cars and all the ash on it and everything else. And so Eddie was the one that told me, you're not supposed to just wash that off with water. You're supposed to use soap so it doesn't damage your car. Isn't, aren't you the one that told me that the other day? Someone told me that. Wow, I don't remember who it was. I told you, I'm gone tonight. Let's just have a word of prayer and go home tonight. James 3, this is a bad night to be preaching this message. Let's just go with it. Here we go. James 3, 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that you shall receive the greater condemnation. For many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. And able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor lifteth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things of the sea, is tamed, hath been tamed of mankind. But look at verse 8, but the tongue can no man tame. I've heard Christians tell me, Pastor, the Bible says I can't tame my tongue. And that's true. But greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. A spirit-filled believer can tame their tongue with the Lord's help. On our own, we can't. We need the Lord's help. It says, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made out of the similitude of God, out of the same mouth, proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Father, bless the time that we have tonight. Guide my words as we talk about words. And help me say what should be said. Help me leave out what doesn't need to be said. And just help us tonight as we look at this. I believe that all of us, could use help in this area. Even the best of Christians at times don't control their mouth the way that they should. There are many times I look back and I say, man, I just wish I wouldn't have said that. Help us tonight. 
we look at being spiritually fit and as we look at this thing of taming the tongue. We love you in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Something that would be good for every Christian to start out their day, there are a couple of passages in the book of Psalms that I think I, every day there are a couple of passages that I quote as a prayer, and this is one of them. Psalm chapter 19, verse number 14, let the words of my and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Be a great way to start out your day. Now, I fail it five minutes in and often that, but we got to, and this, everything that we do, even, even not only our words, but everything else, if we would try to live doing things acceptable in God's sight, it would just change so much of our lives. But the, the words my mouth and the things that I meditate on be acceptable in thy sight. The Bible tells us in Psalm 141, verse number three, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. This last week on Monday, with these fires, I haven't been able to go up. I, in the heat, a couple days a week, I'll go up to Baldy to hike, Mount Baldy, because it's cooler. And when it's 110 down here, it's only 90 there, and in the morning, it's 75, whatever. On Monday, I went on a hike, and Louie and a few others went with me, and they planned it, not me. I had art this morning, like, you didn't invite me on the hike. I didn't plan the hike. So when I plan a hike, anybody who ever wants to go can always go, but Louie planned this one. But as we were coming back down, this was about a, we did seven and a half miles, about 3,000 feet of elevation. But on the way down, I tripped on a rock and skinned my knee, both of them, and my leg, and as I was thinking about it, there are times where I just trip over my tongue. You ever do that? I think all of us could admit there are times. And as we look at this tonight, last week we looked at the fact we're not saved by works, but saved people do God's work. Today we move from proving our faith by our works to proving our faith by our words. That's powerful. So this is the summary statement tonight. Control your tongue or it will control you. That's what it comes down to. Now, one of my favorite, and in Bible college and in ministry, I didn't hear much about Wolfe at all. He's one of my favorites to study now. And if you want good outlines and good commentaries on the Bible, Warren Worsby's a great guy, that great stuff out there. I'm stealing another one of his outlines tonight, okay? I'm stealing the points. I fill in all the stuff in between, but I'm stealing his points. You got to give credit to him, and I'm sure he stole it from someone else years before that, because we're all just stealing it technically from the Word of God. So I'm going to give you a point outline tonight. And as we look at this, James illustrates the power of the tongue by using six vivid word pictures for us. A bit in the horse's mouth, a rudder on a an out-of-control fire, a dangerous animal, a bubbling spring, and delicious fruit. Those are the six word pictures we see in James chapter number three that we're looking at tonight. I want to give you a three-part outline on that. Number one, the tongue has the power to direct. The tongue has the power to direct. We look at verse number one, my brother, and be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. We look at that masters, the word masters means teachers, because teachers are 
thought of as having some prestigious position is likely too many were teaching topics they didn't understand. And perhaps they were just talking on. And think about this. The principle here is greater authority brings with a greater accountability. The more you talk, the more chance you have to blow it and mess up, say something you shouldn't, and that's what we're seeing right here. We see the Bible tells here, you think about because I preach on a regular basis and because I teach, I will be judged with greater strictness because I talk more. The word greater there means magos, it means huge or a very humbling thing when you're preaching and teaching the word of God because you don't want to trip over your tongue over and over again in the message. You want God to be working, but you also got to talk at the same time, and it, there's, there's a lot that goes into all of that. And when we look at this, and teachers and are not the only ones who get tripped up by their tongue, look at verse number two. For in many things, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, so to brile the whole body. And you notice that James, the writer here, includes himself. We. He's talking about himself and those that he's writing to. He says here, the word um, offend has the idea of falling or tripping. It literally means all stumbling repeatedly in many ways. That's what it tells us here. How would it be, you know, you think to play on the screens, the recording of everything you said this week, or everything that I said. Like, no, I don't want that. I wouldn't be a fan of that. <coughs> so funny. People are so funny. I remember about 10 years ago when I was working a trucking job, and uh, you work with certain people in the trucking business and things, people have poor mouths. It's a nice way of putting it. And uh, I remember this guy, a box fell on my foot. And, Ow! And he just looked at me. He had been swearing all night long. He's like, you said, ow. You didn't swear. Well, I'm, I'm a pastor. He cleaned up his language pretty quick. It was amazing how that went. And people are so funny. I was with someone a while back, and I did something that really hurt. I don't even remember who it was with. And I said, stink. That's a Baptist cuss word for me. That's about as bad as it gets. Stink! Oh, stink! That's me. You know, that's as far as it goes for me. And But you got to understand, and we look at it, if we were to record you all week long, would you be proud of what you said? So funny, I'll be with people in our church, and they'll, they'll let a word slip. I was meeting with someone in my office uh, two weeks ago. It wasn't this last week. It was two weeks ago. And man, they used several bad words. They're like, Pastor, I'm sorry. I, I never talk like this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. One of the reasons, as and a few months into pastoring here, um, the church was able to take me on full time. It was, probably, it, was about, it was in August of the following year. But I, went to, I came before the guys, and one of the things I said was, I got to quit working after the job. You know why? Before, and boxes fall on your toes a lot when you're doing stuff. And in my mind, a bad word came. You're around it enough, it's going to come around you. 
And I could not have that for me, especially with what I do. I could just see getting carried away and preaching, and no, that wouldn't be good. But we got to be, our tongues, we got to be so careful. And the Bible tells in Matthew 12, verse 36 and 37, by saying to you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Remember this, your conversation reveals your character because what you say shows who you truly are on the inside. James continues here by saying that if our tongues don't trip us up, we're perfect. If we're able to muzzle our mouths, we're able to bridle our entire body. If you can get your mouth in check, you can get the rest of your body in check. And it's kind of like, James, go back. You're right there. Look back at chapter number one. Look at what he says. <clears throat> Verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, look at what it says there, but deceiveth vain. If you seem to be religious but, and you, tr- you seem to be spiritual, but you can't, get a grip of your tongue, you're deceiving yourself. Your religion's empty. That's what James is saying here. That does, that's not friendly to us. We don't like that. But the hardest sins to control are the trespasses of the tongue. Proverbs 21.3 tells us, Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. I know that verse well. That's one of the ones I had to write out as a teenager for opening my big mouth with my mom and dad. Thing, don't they? Yeah, teenagers do. We don't have any teenagers even in here tonight. I'm 35 now, and I think I know less today than what I did when I was 17. I think at 16, 17, I thought I knew everything. At 35, I realized I don't know a whole lot. And I hear the older you get, the less you realize you really know. But I, as a teenager, one of my problems was opening my big mouth. There is no need for a young person to talk back to mom and dad, ever. Ever. No need. I learned the hard way. Carpal tunnel today, right in that verse, right there. We look at this. James was a great preacher and a great teacher, and he uses some unforgettable figures of speech to help us see the importance of being wise in our words. So we look there, and he says, verse number three, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth. The first thing that we see here, the first illustration he gives is that of a bit. A bit in the horse's mouth. It's a relatively small piece of metal can control a very powerful animal, which on average weighs about a thousand pounds. Now, how many of you like horses in the room? I'm not a fan of horses. Not in the least. When we talk about that white horse in heaven, horse, and I'll live with that, I guess, but horses are not my thing. In Bible college, went to Bible college about 30 minutes south, um, south of Chicago. We would go up to Chicago and bring families to church on buses into northwest Indiana but these are all city kids in Chicago. And we would have these special things that we would do, these special programs, this fall and spring program. 
And someone had my first semester in Bible college, it was horseback riding Sunday. Now, you know a kid in Chicago has never ridden a horse in their life. Well, this white boy from California has never done anything with a horse either. And being the freshman worker on the bus, you know what would happen is they would say, you're going to be the one leading the pony rides. Wonderful. Sure. Okay. Ten different bus routes that go to this farm down there, and there's all these ponies to pick from. I got, and I don't mean this bad, but I got the last one. And this was the most retarded pony I've ever seen in my life. And it didn't help that the most retarded pony operator with him. You know, the best pony ride I've ever been on is the one I put a nickel in as a kid, and I could ride in front of Kmart. That was the best pony I ever rode before. Well, this thing, it would not move. It wouldn't do anything I wanted it to do. And all I wanted to do, I just wanted to do All I wanted to do, this pony wouldn't do that. This pony stopped. And then, wouldn't move. And then they're like, all right, put a kid up on the pony. I'm like, oh, no. Lord, help us. The kid put a kid up on the pony. Ryan, have I told you the story before? Oh, okay. So have I told a lot of you the story before? No. Well, you're in for a treat in here in just a moment. <coughs> I, well, we're in church. I got to be careful how I say this here in just a second. But anyways, the kid's up on the pony, and we start going, and this pony just stops. I'm like, come on. And this pony, ah! and shakes his head just like that. And it's going crazy. I didn't know if it had Tourette's or what was going on with this pony. And I'm like, what do I do? There's a kid on top. And we'll just say the pony had a very loose stool that day. And he just squirted it everywhere. And I thought maybe he was done and he's good to go. We try going a few feet forward. And he squirts and does what? And he does that thing again. And he shakes and he sprays it. It was the worst thing ever. And then he stepped on my toe. And he's, still, and he's still doing it. I'm just right there. And that's my only experience with a pony. And I never want to do anything with a horse again. If you learn nothing tonight about your tongue, at least remember if a horse, if it ever does that, stay clear of the rear end of that horse. But horses and me don't mix very well. And hopefully in heaven, and in heaven, I know, and the Lord's got a plan with these white horses and things. But. I was reading up online to see what a bit will do in a horse's mouth because I really don't have a clue, nor do I want to be near a pony or a horse ever again, right? If you have a good horse, you want to give me a, let me go on. No, I don't know. No, I'm not going to do it again. I did it once. That was good enough for me. But the bit helps control the horse. Horses don't like the pressure from the bit and will turn to get away from it. Going toward the direction you turn them without a bit and bridle, feels like they can do whatever they want to. He'll misbehave because no one is. So the Bible says we put a bit in a horse's mouth so it will go the direction we want it to. And look at what it says in verse number three. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. So we see a bit is the first picture we see. Secondly, we see, look at verse number four. The ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, 
Yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. The helm, the rudder. And I'm not, I tell you, I'm not, I'm not very, boats aren't really my thing. I'm not, I don't like water. I don't like planes. I don't, I don't like lots of things. What is, what's wrong with me? I don't, horses. I like cars. That's a good one, I guess. But when you think about a boat, I was reading this guy, and he had a tugboat. He could push up to 25 barges over 1,000 feet in length and 175 feet wide. But the rudders on a towboat are very tiny. So this is what it says, between our rudders and sometimes using maximum horsepower, the boat has to get around the tighter turns. I am in control of the vessel at that time. If I steer too late, And the guy explained that a boat turns when the rudder turns, but there must also be power behind that rudder. What a good reminder of that is to us that we need the Holy Spirit's power to work on our mouths. So we see a bit, we see a rudder. The Bible says, look at the next verse. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter. A little fire kindleth. I said it at the beginning. You think about this. Our tongues weigh about two ounces. It receives more exercise than any other muscle in our bodies. Chuck Swindle said it like this. Two ounce slab of trouble. That's our tongue. Someone else said it like this. It's a two ounce beast. That's what tongues like the McKees do. I've seen them do that too. They, they like tongue. I, they, they like lots of different things. Don't ever ask them pictures of what they eat. It's crazy. And if you ever go over for dinner, don't ask them what they're cooking, okay? But as we look at this tonight, control your tongue or it will control you. We see number one tonight as we look here, we see the tongue has power to direct, but number two, the tongue has the power to destroy has the power to destroy. After establishing the power the tongue has to direct, in the last part of verse number five, it says, Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. We see fire mentioned. I think we understand fire today. You see the smoke all around us. You see all the fires that have taken place. The one over by Oak Glen and uh, the El Dorado fire. Say it got started gender reveal pyrotechnic thing. A little spark can start a big fire. We see that. We know that there. We look at fire and we think about that, and that's what the Bible kind of talks about when the tongue, when it has the power. You think about, I saw a picture the other day, um, Riley Farm up in Oak Glen. They showed a picture of the, the mountains behind them. They're completely burned up the power that fire has to destroy. You look at and to here in our state that almost 3 million acres have burned so far this year, all because of global warming, as our governor says. Our, our governor just needs Jesus. We need to pray he gets Jesus. Global warming is going to come someday. It's really going to come in a strong way. And Pelosi says that Mother Nature is mad right now. No, I think Father God is a little irritated right now. Mother Nature, I had to worry about Father God. 
anyways, we'll get off of that. I can't go too deep into that. When we talk about, think about this verse in Proverbs 16, 27. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. Look at verse number 6 of our text here. It also says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body, and it setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire. Truths that we see from this verse here, that our words contain a world of unrighteousness. You see that? A world of iniquity. We often speak of the world as evil, and it is evil. But there's a world of rottenness at the tip of our own mouths. And we see that here in this verse. Our words, it says, a world of iniquity. And look what it says. So is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body. And it says on, it says on fire the course of nature, and it says on fire of hell. Not only are our words contain a world of unrighteousness, the fires we start with our mouths can quickly become infernos. That fire over at Oakland, the El Dorado fire, they said they tried to put it out with water. It wasn't fast enough, and it took off. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 26, verse 20 and 21, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. So where there is no tail bear, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals, and as wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The fires we start with our mouths can just take off. Third thing that we see in that verse, number six, is we see our words can defile and set the direction of our entire lives. Look at what it says there. Verse number six, and it defileth the whole body. The word defileth means to soil or to defile. That word we use to chart, the words we use can chart the course of our lives. And then we see the end of the verse, and it is set on fire of hell. Evil words are from the pits of hell. Somehow our tongues have a direct connection to hell itself. That's what it says right there. Hell, we see this word, and... Uh, in uh, Jerusalem, the word hell comes from the word Gehenna, which was the name of the garbage dump outside of Jerusalem, where garbage and, re and refuge, refuse burn continuously. And when some of us speak, raw sewage comes spilling out of our mouth. And this is a metaphor for the reality of an ever-burning fires of eternal torment and was referred to by Jesus 11 times and once by James. The main point is here, our uncontrollable speech is set on fire by Satan. How many people do you cripple by the words that come out of your mouth? Are your kids dying a slow death because of what you say to them? Do your words build up your spouse or do they tear down your spouse? We see these pictures here of a bit of a rudder of fire, and then of animals. Verse number seven, for every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed to mankind. And as important as it is not to speak death words, to speak words of life, we have a problem. Look at what it says here. And you look at this, the word kind is where we get the word order. So interesting. 
you go back and you know how people talk about evolution and how men evolved from monkeys and all these different things evolved. You read Genesis chapter number one, God made the man animals after kind. There was an order to how God did it all. And when we look at this and you think about it, ferocious lions, when we think about a lion, I don't want to be with a lion. That's not, that's not the place I want to be. Ferocious lion can jump through burning hoops. Grizzly bears can ride, can do lots of things. Elephants can do things. But think about this. There are people that can train those animals. I would never want to do it. You ever seen a, a lion tamer where they tame a tiger and do these different things? I don't think I ever could. But you got to understand something. We cannot tame our tongue on our own. Those animals cannot tame themselves. They get, they're taught. They're helped, right? Yeah, they're helped. So look at what verse number 8 says. But the tongue, and this is continuing on from verse number 7, but the tongue can no man tame. It is not only For when the Bible says something, the Bible, if it says something where it sounds like that's an exaggeration, the Bible never exaggerates. The Bible says no man can tame their tongue. That's what it says. That means we cannot do it. We need outside help. Just as the animals need a tamer or someone to train them, we, as the people of God, cannot tame our tongue on our own. It's impossible. The Bible used the word unruly, and that word unruly refers to staggering, unstable, unsteady, and unsettled. The tongue is restless and incapable of human restraint. Any of you ever had restless leg syndrome? We all have restless tongue syndrome because our mouths are filled with poison. We got to be careful, but we can't do it on our own. The tongue has the power to direct, the tongue has the power to destroy. And then, number three, and lastly tonight, the tongue has the power to delight. <clears throat> the tongue has the power to delight. Look at verse number 9 and 10. It lays this out, and it kind of shows how hypocritical we are. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the similitude of God. Same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren... These things ought not so to be. The word bless here in that verse, we bless God, it's, it's like a eulogy. It's what the word comes from, which means to speak well of. We bless God with our words, and then we blast people with our words. And I, I, love, how, I love how James says it, my brethren. That's not how you're supposed to live. You're not supposed to be going to your prayer closet or talk to God and talk all wonderful about God and do all these things and come out and be blasting everybody else. There's a disconnect there. You know, that's why it's so important that you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's the first and great commandment. Because you cannot love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love God. You have a, and we look at this and we look at verse number 10. Out of the same mouth, you can bless with, out of one side of your mouth and you can curse with the other side. That's not how we are supposed to live. 
That's not some of us praise God and it's we're cursing that person in the car that cut you off. James now goes to his, to his fifth picture word to help us see how impossible it is to bless and curse at the same time. Look at what it says there in verse number 11. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? The image here is of a fresh flowing stream that has both sweet water and bitter. Have you ever seen a stream that has both? No, I don't think that's, have you, has anyone ever seen a stream that has both? Salt water and fresh water? You think about the word bitter there. The word for salt is bitter. The waters of Mara in Exodus 15, 23, they were bitter, they were salty is what they were. And James is saying here that's impossible to have a stream that has fresh water and salt water. You go to the ocean, you find fresh water that's just mm, so delicious. No. But a stream in the mountain, I can find a nice stream that's fresh. There's no salt in that. They don't go together. You have one or the other. And then we see also here, he goes from a spring, he talks about fruit. The final image is fruit. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. We expect a fig tree to have figs. We expect grapevines to have grapes, right? Everybody on the same page with me? Nature reproduces after its kind because trees cannot bring forth fruit inconsistent with their nature. God is calling us is what he's doing here. Because what comes out of the mouth is a reflection of what is inside. We see that in the last phrase of verse number 12 there where it says, so can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. You cannot have it both ways with your tongue. If your tongue's not right, the inside's not right. It's key. We see six powerful illustrations given by James. And we got five minutes to give you some application about our tongues. If we want our tongues to be tamed, we must put into practice what we've learned. Number one, think first. <coughs> think first. I heard a parent one time ask their child before they were going to get their Mom, 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 mom. Anybody, have your kids ever, kids do that all the time. And it's so good I train them. To, they don't ever say, dad, 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 dad. No, 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 no. Mom, mom, mom. If they wake up in the middle of the night, you train them. You say mom. You don't say dad in the middle of the night. And I'm teasing, kind of. But I remember hearing this mom one time ask her daughter, are your words flames or flowers? Think before you speak. You can, with your words, plant a beautiful flower garden, or you can start a raging forest fire. Think before you speak. Here's a little acrostic for you for the word think. Is it true? Is it true? Before you speak, think. Is it true? Secondly, is it helpful? Is what I'm about to say 
All right, is it inspiring? Is what I have to say true, helpful, inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it necessary? And then lastly, the word think, the K, is it kind? Before you speak, think. <clears throat> Before you post on Facebook, think. Before you post on Instagram, think. Two of our church people this last week, on a nice post I put about some young people here, got into an argument. Like, go here. It's even worse to type it and send it than to say it, because when you say it, you're just shooting it out. Before you hit send, you had time to look at it over and over again. Be careful what you type. The other day, and I don't think she'll be watching, and I posted something about being kind of tired of the Democrats here in California and those wildfires and all these things, and one of Caroline's aunts posted on there, and she's a Democrat. I did not want to go on there and be mean. Did I feel a certain way about certain things? Sure. But that's our aunt. We love her. I'm not going to be mean in a post, and I didn't want anyone else to say anything. And so I responded. And it probably took me 25, 30 minutes before I even responded to make sure that she could look at that post and not think I was being condescending or being rude to her. That's family. Hey, church family, Christians with one another, be careful what you post. What a great example you have. I'm an independent, fundamental, King James-only, separated Baptist, and all we do is argue with everyone all over the Internet. That's a real good testimony. Can a, can a fountain bring forth at the same time, same time salt water and fresh? No! You can't post it either. Think before you speak. Think before you text. Next, talk less. You say, well, what, what, Pastor, what if those people heard you say this tonight? Go ahead. I hope they hear me tonight. I thought long and hard before I ever said it. Christians should not be arguing. Not. And if you don't like the way someone posts something somewhere, you know what you do? You go talk face-to-face -to, -face to that person. There have been several times where I'll post something and a church member says something a certain way. I go talk to them face-to-face. -face. I do not respond commenting back and forth with them. Because sometimes there are a few church members that like to argue, just for the sake of arguing. And you know, would Christians ever do? Yeah, there's some that like that. But stop it. Be a Christian in all that you do. Think first. Secondly, talk less. Your chances of blowing it with your words are directly proportioned to the amount of time you spend with your mouth open. King David, after seeing how his words got him in trouble, wrote this in Psalm 39.1. I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my tongue with a bridle while the wicked is before me. Think first, talk less. Number three, memorize more. One of the best ways to clean up your language and your tongue 
is to memorize verses in the Bible that have to do with the tongue. After a while, crying out that one who so keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. My, you know, sometimes I felt like my parents would like antagonize wanting me to say something so they could I could get in trouble. Now they, I'm sure they never did that, but after a while, it's like, just shut up, Brian. Who so keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. Because when you hide God's word in your heart, it's going to help you sin less. You won't be sinless, but you will sin less because that verse will pop in here and help you. I challenge you, if you struggle in certain areas in your life, memorize the word of God. Get it in there. And I hear people all the time, Pastor, I can't memorize. This is old school, okay? You know what a three-by-five card is? Write it down and put it somewhere where you can see it. Put it on your screensaver, on your phone. Do whatever you need to do. Think first, talk less, memorize more. Here's another good one. Build up others. It's that old saying, if you can't say something nice, then don't say anything at all. Pretty much, build up others. Build up others. The Bible tells us in 3.13, but exhort one another daily. Well, it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Number five, and we're just about done, speak up for life. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? Proverbs 8.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Let the words of your mouth speak of life and not death. Very careful. The tongue is powerful. So much more powerful than we ever give it credit for. And then are you ready for the last one? Have heart surgery. Have heart surgery. Why is it so hard to say kind things with our tongues? Where does all the sewage, where does all the unkindness come from? I think Jesus explained it very well in Matthew 12, verse 34. The Bible tells us, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You see, the Lord, Jesus could see their hearts. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. I think someone said it this way, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. The tongue simply delivers what's already inside. If there are horrible things in your heart, they're going to come out your mouth. That's why the Bible tells us in Proverbs 4, keep thy heart with all diligence. Because out of it are the issues of life. That's why it's so important and so powerful we got to be so careful. You see, Christian, the tongue is a little thing, but it's very powerful. You have the power to ruin someone's day just by the words that come out of your mouth. You have the power to make someone's day with the words that come out of your mouth. As the psalmist said in 19, and I hope that maybe you'll pick up on it. Maybe it could be your prayer each day, too, as we 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be accepted in my sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You cannot do it on your own. We need the Lord. But don't tell me you're spiritual and have no control of your tongue. Because as James said it, my brethren, your religion is vain. You don't know what true religion is. Get control. Let the Lord help you. Be spirit-filled. Think before you speak. Talk less. Memorize more. Build others up. Speak up for life and clean the heart. And another psalm, Psalm 139, the Bible says, Search me, O God, me, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You need to let God in. Let God in your heart. Let him clean it out. Not tonight with your words, because there's something wrong in here. Problem is, we start seeing all the outward things going, but long before the outward starts getting messed up, the inward part was already messed up. If we're going to be spiritual, we got to learn to get control of this little thing. Got to put it in check. And the Lord can help you do it. On your own, we can't. But he has the power and he's able to help us.